episode because the last one that we recorded which involved 50 minutes of fantastic content just didn't record there was no recording the entire time it just nothing nada sorry if we sound a little tired but <laughs> the super bowl the is going down just failing us yep uh yeah it's 3-0 it's not the best game right now so fuck it we're gonna record a podcast <laughs> And I'm cracking that's, open my that's ginger. That's how much nerd, how nerdy we are. That during the Super Bowl, we're gonna be we recording to make a podcast <laughs> about video games, uh, and we have no regrets about it. No, nah, none whatsoever. I'd much rather talk about video games right now. It is a very, very, very defensive game. Uh, I don't know. What do we want to start with? Do we want to start again with the classic? You know what I'm talking about, like the 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 the, the what's called. That's basically a script at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer: GQ podcast is not is uh, not scripted whatsoever. Uh, just give me one second. I'm gonna go on to page thirteen. <laughs> flip, 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 flip. Well, Yo, we, we did you see time. the news about that game right there? This is your line. Here, go. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's so bad. Yeah, no. Uh, forget it. I, I, I just kind of ruined the podcast right there and there. Uh, Welcome for uh, to the cringiest content the internet has sought. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are two people about to talk about video games, so... Well, yeah, I almost forgot. No, this is, it's not as good as the last one. No, it's not. It's not as good as the last time. Uh... I don't know. I think we started off the last time we recorded this podcast, and then we'll go on our tangents again or whatever happens. But we started off by talking about our love of gaming or something like that. That wasn't that. I it? think we started off with how each of us started um, our beginnings in video games and with, like what our first consoles were and our favorite games from like childhood. That is true. And I started the last time, so this time. You go ahead, okay. and let's do it as a rundown. How so? Like, start off with your first console, or okay. whatever your first thing was, and then we work our way until now, and then I take over, and then I work my way until now. Okay. So, um, my beginnings with video games uh, became very started very early in my life, when I was about uh, five or six. Um, my When my uh, dad brought home one of the original PS2 systems. The thick PS2 the system. The triple C thick original PS2, um, which we uh, uh, we had done a size comparison the other day about uh, what the original PS2 looks like to like the PS2 Slim that came out a few years afterwards. Um, and it's like you could fit four or five of those bad boys into... To the old old faithful. The the original PS2 had a USB slot that was the size of the PS2 Slim. Oh, we're looking That's, at it right now. The exhaust the port is <laughs> the it's size of the entire PS2 the PS2 Slim. Slim. Like, it was ridiculous how big the original PS2 was. That, that makes no sense. This reminded me of another story that I... Uh, already getting sidetracked That's here. That's fine. Do, but, um, do what you need to do. When I first saw the PS2 Slim when it came out, um, I thought it was the PS3, <laughs> the first PS3 model, because it just caught me so unaware of what it, it looked like differently. Um, you can keep talking, by the way. Sorry, we're just adjusting some cords and stuff. Um... It's a makeshift podcast room, all right? <laughs> all We're right. Uh, recording on a wobbly-ass table. Um, so, yeah, the PS2 was my first system, and it's still one of, in my opinion, the best systems. Uh, holds up to. I still have my original PS2 up in my attic yep. uh, back home. Uh, and 
all the games that I had, um, which my first, well, I can't really remember what my first game was, but um, definitely some two of the most influential ones were the Sly Cooper series, um, the previous Raccoonness, and uh, the Kingdom Hearts series, which number three just launched last week, and I finally got to play it yesterday. Um, Did you finish it already? If, you, <laughs> if I could have stayed awake long enough, um, it would be done. Or if I didn't have any programming work to be doing. But it's it's quality. There's <laughs> I only have one complaint with it so far, mm-hmm. and um, some people might get mad at me for saying this, but um, the loading screen, not because of the length, but they they're doing uh instead of in the past the loading screens used to just be like the little loading heart symbol in the corner sure um that was that's the series logo yep but now the loading screens are mock up instagram pages for the characters where it's like king mickey posted about like whatever uh toontown world you were in um or the main character sora um talking about being a hashtag Keyblade Master. So they're and trying that, social media relevancy. Right. The and, and I was thinking, like, that's made got me started thinking about what someone playing uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, another 14 years in the future, because that's how long it took to get this game out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, I've still replayed uh, the original Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, even though it's all over a decade year old. 2005, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it got me wondering how relevant that would still be in another 10 years. Like, what kid playing the game would understand what the hashtag Keyblade Master was referencing? Um, so that peeved me a little bit. But everything else about the game is wonderful and um, has adapted all the really good combat mechanic parts of the uh, spin-off, I guess I spin-off, not really spin-off games that have happened since Kingdom Hearts 2, um, which you've not played, but, um, which you should. But I uh, have not really played any Kingdom Hearts games. I've seen videos for it, I've seen other people play it, I've kind of given my own try to the game on someone else's, like, PlayStation 3 or something like that. But I never really played Kingdom Hearts 3, or King, I never really played Kingdom Hearts 3, no shit, but like, I never really played Kingdom Hearts 2 or 1 like in an actual, like, let me sit down and play this game for like 30 hours or something like that. Well, the, the lore and the story behind, like, the overarching story for all the games is a nightmare to try to get into at this point, because mm-hmm. um, it's really convoluted, but it's... It's also meaningful to me from both my childhood and like uh, the philosophy of like what friendship is and uh, teamwork and sticking together like that. Um, so yeah, Kingdom Hearts was very influential for mm-hmm. me and started my uh, probably started my weeaboo path of um, loving JRPGs and role playing games in general. Um, just, I then started playing Final Fantasy games, uh, Fire Emblem games, etc. Um, on different consoles, actually. Um, the next console I got was the GameCube, which I got to play Fire Emblem on. Um, but between me, my me and my younger brother and my dad, um, we, I went through a lot of consoles throughout uh, my life. Um, so the GameCube came next, but it was towards the end of the GameCube's life cycle, about to the time PlayStation or in the PlayStation Three and the Wii were coming about. Um, that was the Nintendo GameCube, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah the Nintendo GameCube, which I mostly got because I was at a um, a job lot thrift store actually. 
Um, and they were selling the uh, this package deal of this um, off-brand screen that you could attach to the GameCube itself. Not licensed whatsoever by Nintendo itself. Um, but it worked great. It's, you stuck it right on the GameCube, and it was like you didn't even need a TV, which I didn't have a TV at the time to play it on, so um, that's how I convinced my uh, parents to um, uh, get that for me, um, and how I started my love for Nintendo. Which you still do to this day, because you still have a Switch in your Yes, place. I now have a Switch, and it's lovely. I mean, played Smash Bros. for about... Two hours a day or something like that. We, we were get, we were getting our ass handed to to ourselves um, by our other friend Anthony, because um, me and Kush just don't can't handle controllers anymore from after moving to PS PC games or uh, rather uh, PC games for things other than just RPGs. So let's take a look. Um, PlayStation Two, the thick one. The thick PS2, dude. <laughs> the Nintendo GameCube. PlayStation 3. Nintendo Wii at any point? Yeah. So that that's another funny story, is that I did end up having a Nintendo Wii, mm-hmm. um, but not because I wanted it. <laughs> My mom actually bought it. Um, she was never really into video games before that, mm-hmm. but she really, really liked the idea that it was, like, at the time, it was being marketed as whole body movement, getting your exercise while you're playing your video games. She was a really big fan of that idea. Yeah. Um, little did she know you could end up playing all 99% of Wii games just lying Sitting down, down on, on the couch. couch without doing anything. Yep. Um, but so my mom was actually the one that played the Wii, um, until Twilight Princess, uh, the, the, uh, Zelda, Legend of Zelda game, mm-hmm. another one of my favorites came out. Um, that, that's when I started <clears throat> really getting into the Wii, um, but, which I never even, uh, beat Twilight Princess actually until years later when I revisited it because I just got kind of fed up with the Wii's controls um, <clears throat> until it was re-released for the Wii U, which I played at a friend's house. Um, so that brought us up until pretty much now when I traded in P- the my PS3 for the PS4 when it came out. Wait, you can trade in PlayStations? <laughs> well, GameStop for cr- credit. Oh, but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Here's your you for uh, $300 console for and shell out $10 back. But um, they gave you a deal on it. Some was it like $50 the off the PlayStation 4 or something like that? Something like that. It wasn't too substantial, but it was enough for me to like make the jump to it. Um, and PS4s also have backwards compatibility, right? Or you can play PlayStation 3 games on PlayStation 4. I think they can play... P- I, I, I'm not sure, actually. I think they can do PS3 games, but not PS2 games. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, um, PlayStation 2 games, at this point, you can only really play them on PCs if you don't have a PlayStation Viewers, game. let us know if we're wrong about that. <laughs> yes, the, 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 the viewer. Viewer. Please yeah, which, what, what was our one viewer's name? For you, for our shout-out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, there was a shout-out that I did in the episode that was recorded that never really recorded and got lost in the void. Um, there was a person called, or a person with an account called Frillium or something like that, who, in uh, I'd say probably almost ten months back, when I was when the kinda, last episode. It was no, nice. that they like <laughs> a few weeks before the last episode before I took the six-month break. Um, left me a really nice comment and like a five star review, just being like, "Yo, I'm new to podcasts, and this is really great. So I'm gonna be listening in to more of this or something along those lines." And it was pretty great. It was nice to just have a five star review that I knew I didn't have to bug any of my friends into writing or anything like that. It was just <laughs> a regular reviewer who came by across my podcast and then just said, "This is pretty great. Thank you." Okay, so Frillium, you're, if you're still listening, we love you. I'm sorry I didn't put out an episode for about six months. 
it wasn't because he commented and left like a really nice review. It was just I was lazy as shit. That he was nice to you, and then you just dipped <laughs> off the internet. <laughs> yeah, yep. That uh, that's very much me. <laughs> but it was 2019, and I'm like New Year, New Me bullshit. So New Year, New. I'm just, I'll just record episodes, put them up, see how it goes. I got a pretty nice mic now. I got decent headphones. Hopefully, I have no idea what the quality is of what I'm recording right now, but hopefully, it's recording in good quality. <laughs> Because I've never really done this before. We're just we're literally using my headphone mic as a way to basically record both of our voices. And I'm really hoping that my mouse is sensi- or my mic sensitivity is high enough to capture all of this. We're at some jank level technology right now. This is recording. literally <laughs> like cave tech for podcast recording. <laughs> like it's it's bad. Like I, I don't have we, we have fun here. <laughs> but uh Going back to it, so that was your history of gaming. My history Very of gaming. Broad overview. Yeah, but you did have a variety of consoles. I think that was yeah, the main thing. That I had a very strange like experience because most people I know like stick like loyally to their one console brand, mm-hmm. but I kept like trading them in and jumping ship. So I have a lot of different favorites from different genres and different technologies that came out over the years. For me, my slight difference comes from the fact that I have almost, I don't know, let's see, if I probably started playing video games for the first time when I was three, I've been a PC gamer in a way for 20 years. Wow. In my life. Before yeah. PCs existed, basically. Like, I mean, no, PCs existed. They were just, like, CRT monitors and shit exactly. like that. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, I used to... My earliest memory of gaming is, like, the small Flash games that I would find in cereal boxes. You would, like, buy, like, this, like, weird Bran Flakes box or something like that, and there would be a little CD inside of it, which they would be, like, it's an educational game or it's a flight simulator game. Or, like, you know, run around with this character and, like, jump over shit. Or some some bullshit like that. Like, games that are now available on your phones. But they used to be video games back then. And that was my earliest introduction, that, as far as I can remember, to gaming on a PC. Apart from the fact that I used to play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on our family <laughs> computer. Which is... Honestly, that can that can that's probably the very first video game that I ever played. Because it was an installed software that I had to play. <laughs> Um, apart from that... They probably, uh, if you sent, like, a letter to the show... Yeah. ...saying it was so influential to you as a kid that your first game was... Who wants to be a millionaire? Um, maybe they'd let you play, like, for real. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, I need to be smart for that shit. (laughs) Have you seen the people on that show? No. (laughs) No. I don't have to be smart for shit. Is that show even on air still? The, I, the arcade machines are still in uh, still in use. I know. I went to use one last week. I mean, yeah, the, so is Deal or No Deal, but I don't even know if that show's on air still. Uh, let's take a look. Is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire still on show? Is it still there? It is, it is. Cedric the Entertainer was a host for a while. Oh, Chris Harrison, I know this. Like, I've heard of that name before. Yep, it is still on the air. And they still, after, fi- I don't know, when was the first episode? 1999 was the very first episode. 20 years later, they haven't un- understood that inflation means a million dollars isn't worth as much as it used to be. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it, the <laughs> the grand prize is giving someone a million dollars so their entire Which then gets taxed. <laughs> So you're technically getting a grand price of six hundred thousand dollars. You're paying the government <laughs> to have your show. Like your grand price is six hundred thousand dollars. That's what you're getting. Which, let's be honest, you make more money by streaming on Twitch. Why do we do a recording of podcast? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I started off with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That was. My very, very, very first game led me to the cereal box games that you could play that required minimal memory. Probably like, I don't know, like 64 MB RAM was good enough. 
or some bullshit like that. Um, that led me to my very first like real gaming related thing, and apart from like I, I used to play a lot of flash games. I remember that I used to go into mini mini clip, congregate all these different websites. Uh, I got to try out these like Newgrounds was another one. I remember playing games like Extreme Pampelona. I remember playing games like just these like really great quick games that were either side scroller actions or like there was some game called Nova or something like that. Like not the Nova that's on the iPhones, but it was like almost like a 2D Halo game that you could play. Uh, it was a side scroller game, and I remember playing that a lot. But like that's also like a little bit past uh, into my teenage years and stuff like that. So probably when I was close to like 12, 13, uh, along those times. But I remember the early 2000s was when I got my, or mid-2000s, actually, was when I got my Game Boy Advance SP. And I remember we talked about it, and we went on a very long tangent yeah. that time. But that was my introduction to Pokemon. And apart from, like, watching it on TV and everything like that, but I think watching Pokemon on TV is an incredibly different experience. That's completely different. To playing the game itself. Like, they're not even similar in any way, shape, or form, except for the context of the world. And... I don't know if you've played, like, the newest installment. Um, but, like, Sun and Moon. Have you played Pokemon Sun no, and Moon? No, no. I honestly stopped playing after the fourth generation. Well, so, Sun and Moon are pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but the anime is so dramatically different it shouldn't even be considered like the same universe really well the same universe but like continuity i should say because um the uh main villain of like the game oh. is like cutesy mom type in uh the anime and everyone's friends and all like all the gym leader equivalents are all called like island leaders or something i don't really remember um it was a while ago that i played this um but they all like leave their jobs to be friends with ash and leaving the entire region like unstable so basically not the great thing it used to be not indigo league as it used to be i know no, it was not indigo league because <laughs> i know that they changed the side characters you no longer have brock anymore you no longer have misty anymore oh, misty came back again misty came yeah. back again but she looks pretty different right it's not the same misty everything like... is a different art yeah. style because i remember looking Pikachu at the looks weird <laughs> really let's see she was like this cell shaded like empty soulless eyed monster <laughs> Soulless-eyed monster. What is this? Yeah, we'll what see is... now. So, Kush just shirt searched uh, Sun and Moon, so now it's only going to be the video game stuff. Yeah. So, Oh, do you have to search yeah, the do, show do itself? Uh, that's not what I did. There we go. Oh my god, I hate, I hate doing this. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a an intern that can search shit for us. <laughs> so we kind of have to do it on our own. Uh, and just do our best wow, to Wow, the art style look, looks weird. It looks so weird. Why is everything I so mean, glossy? I mean, I get it, though. Like, everything... Oh, is that what it... Oh, Brock's back, too. I didn't even know that. Okay, no. This is not the Pokemon show that I'm talking about. Right. This, this is, We're looking at posters for the um, new Sun and Moon anime. No, no, no. I'm talking about something completely different. Those, uh, like, Pokemon, like, show where they completely switched around the characters and everything like that. It was something very different, and uh, I can't even remember what it was. It's not the... What do you mean different? Like, Ash wasn't in it? Ash something? was still in it. Everyone just looked weird as shit. Like, it just... I mean, well, the series, the Pokemon anime has... A whole changed art styles of three or four times. Completely. Exactly. And I don't, Which, I don't know. Uh, it can... happened for like advanced battle, um, whatever Anova was, I think. No, see, so this is all a return to the original art style. Almost. It's like modernized, but it's still heavily original in the way that it looks. Misty looks the same. Brock kind of looks the same. They've, they've modded it up a little bit. It's not as, like, hand-drawn-y. It's more 
computer generated. But dude, I'm not kidding when I say this. Like there were times when I'm just like, what on earth is this? <laughs> like, like seriously, who who are these people? Why do they look the way that they are? Uh, it was all very different. Was was there a black and white Pokemon series? Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> people love it. I, that, I skipped that generation, but uh, I know people that swear by it being like one of the best ones. Well, anyway, we went off on tangent again, but... Uh, Any okay. Pokemon tangent is worthwhile. It is true. But, uh, yeah, Pokemon started... Pokemon Ruby was... My two biggest games were... And again, this was a huge tangent the last time. Which is why it really sucked that we couldn't record for that one. Oh, we had month. like a half hour long tangent of On quality Pokemon content. Pokemon and Star Wars trilogy content, because <laughs> that was the other game we played. And that was as we. Because that's the natural progression of, uh, well, of nerd culture. So g the Game Boy Advance that I got, I would occasionally get like random games. Like every few weeks, I would go in to get like a game. It was pretty cheap back then. And I remember I came across a game called um, Original Trilogy Apprentice of the Force. And as someone who had only really seen the prequels, because that was my very first introduction to Star Wars, apart from A New Hope, uh, that's when I first got to try out and play A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi in a video game format of like an 8-bit animation side-scroller action game where they went through the entire story had clips from the movies had you know image representation from the movies and everything like that and that was like my big introduction to star wars and that's also what made the change where like ever since i was probably eight or nine years old or whatever at that point i have been this massive star wars fan i obviously was a star wars fan even when i'd watched the prequels because they'd come out at the exact moment where it needed to i was four years old when Phantom Menace came out. I was seven years old when Attack of the Clones came out. So to someone like me, that shit was still pretty incredible. You're too young to understand just the like the defects that are there in terms of the story and everything like that. And you're pretty much amazed by this like escapist like beauty and like lightsabers and people using the force and people flying around and like spaceships and everything like that. Just a whole new world that gets introduced to you. <coughs> Uh, and I think that might be one of the reasons why I still have a pretty soft spot for the prequels for no matter how they are. I think it's pretty much just, I have a pretty soft spot for Star Wars in general. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but those were my very two first introductions to legitimate gaming and like, uh, I guess brand loyalty to a game series or to something or another was Pokemon and a Star Wars <laughs> Game Boy Advance SP game. <laughs> um... Post Game Boy Advance SP, I finally get my PlayStation 2. And that was the first and the only console that I've had so far. Uh, it's where I experienced the entire world of games, where I got to try out literally everything from uh, first person shooters to just random, like, not even sides, actually, a couple of side scroll games, adventure games, I think God of War. Uh, the first couple of God of Wars were PlayStation games as well, PlayStation 2 games. I got to play those. And it was that, that was my, I'd say, my like narrow introduction into this wide world of gaming that eventually took over when I finally got my very first laptop at the age of 13, I'm pretty sure. And that's where it made like that big difference of being introduced to Steam and being introduced to Origin, and being introduced to these millions of games out there that, are, that were not only created by, uh, that were not only created by, like, big, I guess, artists or, like, companies or anything like that, but literally, like, anyone and everyone created games. Uh, it's how I got introduced to my favorite game series of all time, which is a Mass Effect series, which to oh, this yeah. day is one of my... <laughs> I still consider Mass Effect 1, 2, 3, even with the endings that were there in 3, I still consider that to be my uh, all-time favorite like video game of all time because I kind of view it as one game put together. It's the same character that I had. It had the same choices and everything like that. The emotional depth to that game was like way more than it should have had for 
a game that was inherently about like alien invasion and like fighting it off and that is not what mass effect was about <laughs> mass effect was about finding the greatest booty in the galaxy <laughs> yes yeah. which was garris by the way uh no that was also the first time i got introduced to games that had choice-based uh results where i remember mass effect one wasn't the first mass effect that i played Mass Effect 2 was the very first Mass Effect that I played. And I'm really glad that that was my introduction, because, holy shit, Mass Effect 1 was I bad. never went back to play Mass Effect 1, actually. I got the entire Mass Effect series on a pretty powerful computer. It was on my old Alienware, and then I decided to give Mass Effect 1 a chance. And I'm like, I am so glad that this wasn't my introduction to Mass Effect 1, because Mass Effect 2 was, sorry, miles above what this was. There was so much useless trash in Mass Effect 1. You're literally driving around doing nothing, and sometimes the gunplay was weird. The general like controls were weird. Then they went back to that uh, modus uh, for Andromeda, <laughs> doing a bunch of useless shit. I'm so work. glad I never really gave Andromeda <laughs> a try. Like I just saw the reviews, I saw the videos, I saw the glitches, and I'm like, I am gonna leave Shepard's Mass Effect series as the only Mass Effect untainted thing. in our minds. <laughs> Because Andromeda was also pretty far off. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, just nothing to do with... Well, it did have to do with, like, there was some entanglement with the original trilogy, in a way, and everything like that. But it was still its own thing. And so for me, Mass Effect is still 1, 2, 3. Those are the games. Uh, and I remember Mass Effect 2 uh, was the first time where I got actually got introduced to that aspect of, like, the transition between Mass Effect 2 and 3 where the relationship that I'd built with, I think, Ashley was the character's name. Uh, Ashley ended up dying in the last mission because you can lose a decent amount of your team if you're not high level enough during the final mission. I was about mission. to judge you super hard for letting Ashley live. No, no. <laughs> like, Ashley ended up dying in that she mission. She was a hard alien racist. <laughs> that is true. Whereas Kaden was nice dude, bro. I just wanted the best for you. Well, there was also, what was her name? Tally? Tally? Oh, Tally. Yeah. Tally, I yeah. Tally. There were, there were a lot of, like, incredibly well-put-together characters, but that was one of my favorite things, and I can go off on a long tangent about just how great that series was. And it's really disappointing to me where I was just thinking about it last night while I was listening to, like, a particular, uh, like, a particular, um, what's it called, like, music uh kind of thing like a composition kind of thing and it just made me think about just video games where you were completely and like it was story driven but it was still action-packed and it was still immersive it had all of these different things like we were still in this like entire world from a first to third person point of view and it had all of those things and that's what mass effect kind of reminded me of is this, like forgotten time of where single player action on pc could have been and would have been and was a really big go-to mm -hmm. and because um, now everything's multiplayer this and multiplayer exactly that. and everything's multiplayer even when it shouldn't be and that was that introduction that introduction to steam to all these different things also let me go back in time and play games that i never played before and it also kind of reinvigorated my love for the expanded universe because i got to try out the Jedi Academy trilogy, where I got to try out Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy, whatever other game that was, like, I'm not particular other Star Wars game. Uh, but it was all of these, like, Star Wars games, all of these different games that eventually, like, encompassed into, like, a 263-game collection that I have on Steam. Uh, but I got to try all of these, like, fantastic games, and that, that's what brought back my love for gaming it was being able to go back in time and try out different games being able to play games in the present time and then like you know kind of getting to test out these games that were going to come out in the future and you get to see the difference the <laughs> modifications as i saw go through between having my old dell computer and remembering playing blur on that computer uh or um uh, just like these like different games like i remember playing max Payne 2 on that computer um to you know, getting a newer laptop uh, and playing a different game and then getting a newer laptop and playing another different game and just seeing that evolution of video games as time went by. That's, at the end of the day, like, you can 
I don't know. For me, gaming's been one of those things where you can like lose hobbies in a way, but like gaming's kind of been that thing where it's kind of been there for the last basically like my sentient life where I could like form <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like where I could form memories and everything like that. So that that was cool. my love for gaming in a way. Well I wanna roll it back a little bit from yeah. something you were talking about a couple minutes ago. Um where you were talking about how it's Steam's so great right now because I mean, people are getting the chances to play games that came out a long time ago that they never got chances to play mm-hmm. um, because of system requirements and all that. Um, so I was wondering how you felt be, having made the transition to PC gaming so early as 13 yep. that um, missing out on some console exclusives that were very defining for the industry. So that to this day is something that pisses me off at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's why I have this like weird, best way to put it is like dislike for Sony exclusives and Rockstar. Uh, I never got to try out last because they never released that on PC. Mm-hmm. Where based on the hardware capabilities of, of of PC, Last of Us could have been incredible to look at and play in. Um, I never got to try out the latest God of War. Again, had that game come out on PC, it would have looked incredible. Like, there were these, like, particular opportunities. I think that was one of the... And to be honest, your computer probably has better processing than my PS4. (laughs) Oh, no, but both my last computers had better processing than a PlayStation 4. This has more, better processing than, like, consoles put together, basically. Uh, I'm running a 32 gig RAM computer. Like no console even has anything remotely as close to that. Um, Still no God of War, unfortunately. Yeah, and, but and that, to uh, the industry's um, benefit, I think a lot of uh, developers are doing better. There's a lot more cross-platform functionality. Coming out these days, and um, ports to different uh, different consoles and to the PC, um, like the for the Switch and the PC, I think now are getting port for Final Fantasy twelve finally after a very is that Final Fantasy twelve came out in the early two thousands and yeah. it's finally making its way to PC and uh, Nintendo so about time for that so the switch but, is being a very good lead on cross-platform i think like that has been kind of one of my pretty big regrets when it comes to never having owned a console and seeing friends of mine including you where it's just like a particular game comes out on a con oh, that's a console exclusive or a switch exclusive or something like that and you get to play it and have fun like um a game like breath of the wild is a game that I would have loved to have played. But unfortunately, that was a Nintendo-only release. Uh, and it was the same thing with whatever it may be, like whatever exclusives that came out. I think the biggest mistake that I ever saw Microsoft make above everything else was the fact that they decided that Halo did not need to have PC releases. Halo Custom Edition, to this day, has active players. To this very day. That game is older than like 18-year-old kids now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so that should have given you an idea because that's the thing about PC gaming is that while you will lose out on a chunk of players, the players that stay for those particular games are life... Like, you know, they will they be dedicated... They're for the long haul. They're for the long haul. And that's not something that really exists in console gaming. Uh, the fact that I can go and... Like, I have Battlefield 3 right now on my Origin. I can re-download it, install it, get on, and I can easily find a server for me to play in. Battlefield 3 has been out for, I'd say, at least over seven years now. Um, it's the same thing with 4. Weirdly enough, I can't find anyone to play Hardline in. <laughs> but once... I don't think anyone. <laughs> no, Hardline was just a weird failure by... I'm pretty sure Battlefield is EA, right? Yeah, yeah, it is EA. I should know this. They fucking give me games for to try out. Uh, 
But yeah, that was one of the things. But I think one of the biggest advantages that I, or the silver lining for me of not being able to get these like exclusives that I can invest an immense amount of time into that's not only, I guess the best way to say it is like, it's not a hack and slash. It's not a grind game. It's none of these things where it's just like, oh, we're going to release this massive game on PC, but it's be it's going to be Monster Hunter World. And you go around repeatedly just hack and slashing monsters again and again and again and again. And it's like mind numbing to a point because the storyline is kind of insufficient is a better way of saying it like without being a total asshole about it um well that's the draw even for some types of games like that like um i've not played monster hunter myself really um but the grind and uh the continuity of it is comforting for a lot of people i know um a good uh analogy i think um is when I was very heavily into uh, Destiny series, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which is another very, very grind-heavy game, um, where you do the same missions over and over and over and over, trying for small chances to get the some unique guns or armor. Exactly. Um, but didn't make it any less uh, fun at the time. That's no joke is one of the reasons why after. So I bought my first ever Call of Duty probably since Modern Warfare 2 when I bought Black Ops 4. Uh, I've played other Call of Duties in the middle, but it was never a full price purchase. Mm-hmm. And it was either a sale purchase, it was either something that was I got full bundle or something along those lines, or it was gifted to me by someone else. And... This was the very first time where I'm just like, I'm getting like a 5% discount. It's $52 or something like that. But it's got a Battle Royale mode, which is my biggest letdown because the Battle Royale mode for me in Black Ops 4 sucked. (laughs) Um, And I finally played multiplayer. And I played multiplayer for a while, but eventually got to this level where I'm just like, Blackout was Black Black Ops 4's uh, Battle Royale mode. And I finally got to the stage where I'm just like, I am mind-numbingly playing this game in order to just get skins. And I don't see the point of that. To get skins just to be in the game longer. <laughs> exactly. And you're repeatedly playing that game over and over and over. And it's like, this is mind-numbingly stupid. Like, I am literally just losing brain cells doing this to myself. Uh, and then that's one of the reasons why like, I made that back to PUBG because they added a new map in and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to get myself back into it. I, there were, I remember there was a time when I had close to 10 to 12 people that I used to play PUBG with. Now it's down to two. Uh, but it was just getting back into that game and seeing like the difference that was in there. And that's that's been my... If I had to say a game that I've dedicated more time to in the recent times, like post... Mass Effect style gaming and everything like that. It was probably PUBG. PUBG was like the only one of these games where, like, two years down the line, I'm still playing it. And I don't think I can think of any game that I've played for that long in a very, very, very long time. I think Skyrim was the last game that I can remember where I played it for a year. Um, apart from that, you can maybe add in Minecraft, but that's also split up across like huge subsections of time. But I think it was it's these games where they do something right about keeping people in your game or something like that. It's why, weirdly enough, I have absolutely no hype for Anthem, which is also going to be a PC release. But it just feels too much like too like a lot of shit that's already on the market. Well, I think that's sort of what they're aiming to do because they're trying to steal Destiny's player base. Yep. Uh, because Destiny dying. Yeah. So to be honest, um, recipes bungee. Um. So they're purposely, I'm trying to make that capitalize so, on a losing market. Yeah. Basically, yep. Nope. That's what I saw. That's what led to the rise of battle royale games a lot. Was when they started seeing that steep drop in PUBG post January, and then into February, and then March, and that's when we got. If you remember playing Rum Royale or games like those where you could turn into a chicken when you got down, uh, all of these games started coming out as they saw a market being lost out. 
post a massive level of capitalization because PUBG earned what like eight hundred million dollars in the first six months. Uh, um, I don't know. It's but like going back to the love of gaming, before we went off on a tangent of just like seeing whatever happened to the gaming industry. That's what was. That's my gaming history. That's me going from. Oh shit. Uh, that's me going from, you know, the classical Game Boy Advance SP into a PlayStation 2 into a Dell laptop, a Lenovo laptop, and then again on a Lenovo laptop, and then an Alienware laptop, and then a custom-built PC. That is the entire history of me as a gamer. And my strange amalgamation of different fan bases and systems that consisted of my history. <laughs> I think uh, to to an extent that's something that I find incredibly interesting as well because you got to try out all these different things. We're taking a look at the score right now. The Patriots are at three. The Rams are at three. I have no idea what's going it's on in this. It's the fourth quarter. Is it uh, eleven? This is not a sports podcast. So <laughs> that is true. Uh, that's just, this is annoying. What the hell is happening in this game? Uh, but yeah, that's like oh, I'm trying to remember. Like that generally defines some of the biggest games that have had an impact on me throughout all of these times as well. Because there were a lot of games that I played, but none really had the weird levels of impact, like like Skyrim did, like Mass Effect did, but like uh, PUBG weirdly has. For as much shit as I've given that game over the last 19 months of me playing it, I have more than. Yeah, 900 hours in that I game. I swear, it's hard to keep track of where this guy is feeling about PUBG at any given moment, depending on patch-by-patch patch basis. Even. No, that's a good way of putting it. Patch-by-patch patch is where you see my opinions come through, because I remember there was a patch post around September 2018 time where they just broke the game, and that was where you actually saw me just quit the game and I didn't go back to it for a solid two months because of just how pissed off I was with how badly everything was happening. So that brings up another very interesting point that's very very relevant um the industry right now of games getting patches almost immediately or like way after even after their release um that can completely change them. Um well, if we want to take an example of a, a weird level of patching that happened way too late, Hello Games and No Man's Sky were a game that was released around my birthday in 2016. Got a full, almost like a full re-release. Remake, right? <laughs> in October 2018. That's two years and two months after its actual release. And they completely changed up the game, launched, like, I think it was like a 12 gig update or a 15 gig update or something like that. Made it into this, like, almost grind, slightly more grind base, building a base kind of thing, going from planet to planet, uh, incorporating something that you can actually do, which wasn't just, like, go from planet to planet, mine random shit, make random shit, put random shit in your ship, and then take that random shit in your ship to another random shit planet. Uh -huh. And that's like my, I don't know, and that was kind of what I felt like when it came to, that was one game that would release with this incredible level of hype because of how incredibly well they did their marketing, but it just, it was that bugginess of what started the craze of bullshit early access games, mm -hmm. that buy this game from us and then we will fix it as time goes by. I know... Early access was a great breakthrough for the industry, and it's allowing a lot more people to make games than it used to, mm -hmm. but also makes me sort of miss the days where once a game was out and on the disc, that's that was it for it. It was either fun and good, or it was broken, broken and, bad. and done. And that's how you actually got to decide whether you wanted to buy the next game or not. Like A very recent example is just a couple days ago, the new Smash Bros a patch and changed a lot of the characters and it's like having to relearn everyone again the different damage values which i think they try to sell it with the idea that it stops a game from getting old
But that's not what happens to games like Smash Bros. Right. Because you still have people playing games. It changes what you like. Exactly. And I think that's... I remember this was like one one of my main commentaries on a game like Realm Royale that came out where every single week they patched the game to a weird extent, changing how each of the main characters would, or the four main classes would operate. They would change their powers randomly. They would change how much they would affect the other people. And then they lost out all of their player base. Where this game went from having like $300,000 competitions in March to having less than 1,000 people playing it in April. And uh, I mean, this is a whole other podcast that we're eventually going to do with our, like, well, this was supposed to be a pot, a pot, an episode about our love for gaming with a new podcast coming out, a new podcast episode that comes out and highlights the things that we see wrong with the gaming industry nowadays. Yeah, tune in next time to hear me bitch for half an hour about uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. But, I don't know, gaming has always been a part of our life. It's been a part of our life for a very long time. And going back to it, one of the things that I loved about well, when we were talking about like the exclusive content and everything like that, it allowed me to discover and this is heavily due to the ability that Steam provides me. Discover a lot of story-based, really good games that I would not have gotten on a console because indie games aren't released as much on a console. Because Very true. And that that's one of the reasons why, like, sure, I have a 263-game collection, but a significant chunk of those are these random small games that I got. Like a dollar, two dollars? A dollar, you know? under $10, almost all of these games that I'm thinking about are under $10, but they were just so weirdly beautiful or incredible or fun to play. I got to play this game called Tree after like binging, uh, like I can't remember, I think it was probably Black Ops 4 or something like that for like three hours straight. I got to play this game called Tree, which is a 30 minute long game about just the life cycle of a person and the tree that the person grew up near. And it's like, this is a game I never would have seen on a PlayStation 4. But it, like, in a way, inspires you. And it's beautiful, and it's mystic, and all, it's all these different things. And that was my entire thing, where like I saw the transition. And that was one of the reasons probably why Mass Effect sticks by so long, so far for me, like 10, 12, 15 years down the road, is that that was, in my opinion, the pinnacle of an, a start for cinematic storytelling you had great dialogue you had great character development sure your graphics could have been better but like they were still exemplary for their time like it's not dated as well as it should have but it was still pretty fantastic for its time but these like choice-based systems and the emotional attachment like that for me is what made gaming great i love the aspect of just being able to have fun with the game i love playing cs i love playing different things where it's just like, I don't need to be heavily invested in I don't need to think about the game a lot or anything like that. I need to think about what's happening in the moment. But at the same time, having these games that have a much bigger idea, it takes what a film is and then puts you in it. And that, for me, was perfection. Well, that falls into what uh, I'm a big advocate of uh, games as art. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mass Effect is one of the main proponents of that, I believe, um, where representing games as emo- in an emotional experience rather than just um, obstacles to be beaten, like regular games or like PUBG beating your enemies or Counter-Strike, um, becoming like esports type things. Um, over that of just being a really story that teaches you things. Whereas I believe for both of us, that was where both of us started um, our love of gaming, where rather than those monotonous uh, replayable type games, sure, yeah. um, we both got our starts doing... Uh, sorry, we just looked at the Super I could hear very, very happy. Uh, I could hear people down for the Patriots. Patriots. Yeah, I could hear people scream on the street right <laughs> next door, and I'm like, something happened. And based on how cheerful the screams are, there's a strong chance that the Patriots scored. 
and we were right. Um, but anyway, I sort of lost my train of thought there. Uh, using yeah. game as a piece of art where you get into it. And the Pats just scored their uh, extra point. This it's one. looking good for New England. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that aspect of just what as much as I, as much fun as monotonous, ga- monotonous gaming is, there's also something fantastic about just like in, indulging yourself into 60 hours of gameplay that is still heavily story based. As much as I love Red Dead Redemption, as much as I love all these different games, they have a level of like there's an, a story, but there's a lot of other bullshit that you can do to have fun. Mm-hmm. But somehow, everything that you did in Mass Effect related back to you. Mm-hmm. Every conversation you had, everything that you And um, it's why, unfortunately, the sad, most saddening part about Telltale shutting down was that it was making fantastic, emotionally like connectable, storytelling-based video games. Telltale was one of my favorite studios, and I was shocked. To see it shut down. About that. And, uh... I think, yeah, that was one of those examples of, like, games that I got emotionally invested into. Sure, Season 2 was a drop under Season 1. Season 3 was even worse. I didn't even really try out whatever the latest season was. But, uh, and I don't think they even got to complete the latest season. But that's basically what it was, where we got a small, we got a small boost in terms of cinematic, emotional-based storytelling inside a video game. And then it just went away but it's one of the things that i would love to see a return for like i would love to see a getting a really good composer like they did for mass effect the mass effect series where you get a really good composer to compose the music you get really good writers to write the game you put in all of this effort and you see it flourish and you can kind of see that happen on console now though it happens rarely you see that happen with just how big of a hit the new god of war game was just how big of a hit like Breath of the Wild was on uh, the Switch, um, and I, that wasn't the only one. There was also or even a few years ago, Witcher Three. Um... Oh, what are you looking up? What are you looking up? <laughs> I was gonna type in 2019 games oh. <laughs> to kind of see what's releasing. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, there's also a chance of, like, actually... Oh, yeah, that was this was supposed to be a pretty good Star Wars game. I have no idea whether it's actually... Huh? But um, there was another game that released last year with uh, God of War that also had fantastic storytelling. What am I blanking out on? God of War, Red Dead Redemption, no, no... Oh, Spider-Man, that was an example of just... And a lot of people talked about it, how it was just, like, an example of a game where you just play the game... There's storytelling in it. There's good music in it. There's no multiplayer. There's no in-game loot boxes. It made a fuck ton of money. And it won a decent amount of awards. And that's only because it was just like, hey. Sort of proving that uh, it will be. Exactly. And it's more of the aspect of, like, people thinking, people, like, developers kind of being lazy about the fact that, like, oh, no, people aren't going to play this game. But they get proved wrong repeatedly when these games do come out. Except they're not coming out on PC, they're coming out as con. And without delving too much into just what's pissing us off about games, I think we might end it over here. Uh, yeah, well, it it's a, been about uh, an hour and exact almost an hour long episode, so that was pretty good. Hopefully, you guys like enjoyed our tangents and just us getting like weirdly passionate about the shit that we're talking about. And that and- our hopefully recording through actually. So <laughs> this should exist. Craigbot hasn't like spazzed out on me yet. Uh, I'm just hoping the the audio quality is pretty good. That's the only thing that I'm kind of worried about because we're using a single mic and we were taking our liberties of like moving back and yeah, forth. Yeah, I wasn't thinking very hard about that. No, same here. I like here, to the, move around, talking. Like I'm, I'm talking to you, and then I suddenly just like lean back because I'm like, yeah, yeah, that happened, or like I needed to use my hands a little bit more, and. Something along those lines happened, but I think I have a pretty sensitive mic. <laughs> so hopefully this worked out well. Um, and I think that's all we have for you guys today. Keep listening in. I'm going to have an episode of the Super Bowl uh, with 
my friend Laura again, and hopefully, I don't know when we're recording it. And then Josh and I are definitely going to be doing at least a couple more episodes about gaming uh, of some topic or another. Hopefully the next one will be a criticism of industry. Or Um, criticism of the modern version. Modern, yeah. The modern version of the industry as two uh, self-proposed gaming consultants would like to (laughs) propose to you guys about or something like that. Exactly. Anyway, see you guys. Have fun, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.